0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au Let's pray, and um, then we shall uh, get into the word together. Father, we do want to recognize you we need to recognize you we need to cry out to you call out to you we thank you that we do have the freedom to declare the name of jesus publicly and openly let us not be afraid of declaring the kingdom of god let us not be afraid of opening ourselves to you and to your heart to submitting our very lives to you regardless of uh, our experience regardless of our age regardless of our years of following you may we continue Continually press into you, Father. We pray for homes and for families. We pray for wisdom as we read your word. May it read us too. May we invite your spirit to bring your transformation into us, your revelation. Holy Spirit, come amongst us and through us now. And I pray that the words that I speak would be words of your spirit words of your heart and if anything that's not helpful would just fall away we'd pick up those things that you want us to pick up and lay down those things that you want us to lay down we commit this time to you in the name of Jesus amen if I was to have a conversation with you and ask you what you owned I'm sure there'd be a a broad range of responses a broad range of uh, stories which might not only tell me what you own, but the story of how you got to owning it or the, the gift that it might have been. Some of us might talk about we own our homes. Oh well, no, not really me, but the bank owns my home because I'm repaying the mortgage. Or that we own our car. You know, some of you might own your cars, and some of you might be repaying a loan on that to some extent as well. Uh, we might talk about some special jewelry that we received as a gift, and we own that because that was something that was given to us out of love, or out of a spirit of generosity, or out of a spirit of wanting to bless us. Maybe it was a surprise to us. Maybe it came in an unexpected moment. Maybe it was a birthday gift, a Christmas gift, but it's one that you treasure and one that you can tell the story of. Some of you might talk about the land that you own because um, 40 years ago, your family had the foresight to buy a cheap block of land when they were probably still really expensive 40 years ago and the value on them now has increased and you're waiting for that, but you own that. That's yours. And you're very uh, intentional about that because it's or maybe it's something that you own that has been handed down from generation to generation to generation. And so the significance of what you own is important. Some of you might talk about the tools that you own, the tools that are necessary for your work, uh, the the clothes that you own, um, all sorts of expressions about what you own. The thing about what we own is that we can often become really possessive about it, even defensive about it. What is mine and how it becomes mine becomes really important when we talk about what I own. And even when we talk about what I own, uh, that's often at opposed to or different to what you own. Uh, so what's mine and what is yours and how we do that. And uh, the reality is that's all around relationships too. That could be the attitudes that we own. What, how, do we, how do we own our attitudes? What's responsible? What are we responsible for in our attitudes and how we speak to one another? That might be a bit of a rabbit warren, a bit of a trail for you to wander on. But what we own... Uh, is a really significant question this day and age. I was fascinated when we talk about the bypass around Horsham. You know, that's been a long conversation. Um, and the challenges about that. And you know what? What's the real challenge about the bypass? Now, certainly there's some uh, guidance around the structures and the floodplains and all that. But you know what the real challenge becomes about? And it becomes about who owns the land. Because It's been in families for generations or whatever other reason we have that that's got to, that that's been owned by someone. We've become very uh, possessive in lots of ways. I don't mean to say that negatively. I do that. I know I could tell you stories about things that I own as well that I like to treasure and that are important to me. But I want to actually now shift that and go a little bit deeper and ask us to consider what do you own that bears your image? Because if we actually looked at a lot of things that we have, we, we own a lot of things that maybe we 've put our mark on it. you 've bought a home, you 've renovated it you 've renovated the kitchen, you 've built a home. you know you 've uh, created a piece of art. Um, you, you know, whatever you own. You, we might put our mark on it. We, blood, sweat, tears, energy, uh, thought for someone. You know, when we tell stories, the gifts that we've received, that's about someone who has loved us and blessed us and wanted to uh, do more than what we ever expected or asked. That's a story of Mark. But we own very little, I want to suggest, if anything, that bears our image. We might be able to look at our families and say, well, you know, our children bear our image. But it's a bit hard to say that we own our children. Very few people would say we own our children. You might think you own them at the moment if they're younger because, you know, you're the one who gives them pocket money. You put food on the table, you know. We own our children. (laughs) Um, I hope you don't talk about your children like that. But, you know, we talk about our children as bearing our image, but we can't really talk about owning them, can we? And I think this is a huge challenge. This is the tension that Jesus actually um, encounters and invites us to think about differently. And I think it's a. Oh, look, I want to be um, completely transparent, authentic in this. Like uh, where to take this text was really... So I might not take it far enough for some and maybe I've taken it too far for others. Hopefully I've held a ground where God reveals something of himself to you and you're able to really uh, experience and encounter the living word and the living God and ask him how he wants us to respond. Because I really could have taken it multiple ways, which is true of every text, but this week was particularly tough. I'm sure you'll appreciate it as we go. So let's read uh, Mark chapter 12. Um, and uh, let's see where it takes us so Mark chapter 12 verse 13 later they the they being sent the religious leaders that have been having conversations with Jesus remember Jesus was asked by what authority he's doing these things what authority is coming into Jerusalem Uh, last week we explored the authority a little bit more and uh, Jesus the religious leaders realized that Jesus was speaking against them or about them and confronting them quite directly and so they've actually gone and gone to a group of people, as we discover here, that the, they, the religious leaders, sent some of the Pharisees and the Rodians to Jesus to catch him in his word. Excuse me, this is not working for me here. Um, So the religious leaders have gone to a group of people they might not necessarily agree with. And we'll explore this a little bit briefly. again briefly. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right? Now, sorry, let me stop there. At that sentence... I can imagine Jesus saying, this will be good. (laughs) Because, you know, they're buttering him up here, aren't they? Like, we know this about you, Jesus. We've seen this about you. And I can imagine Jesus saying, all right, come on, bring it on, bring it on. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? The imperial tax being the government tax, essentially. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought him the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. So let's, let's understand and unpack what's happening here. The Pharisees. And the Herodians are essentially two opposing groups of people. They are people who have different uh, philosophies, even theologies, if you like. Uh, Here are the Pharisees. The Pharisees are, if you like, the separated ones. So they have stood apart from the rest of community. They have sought to uh, honor the law, the, the written law and the oral law that's been attached to that law for a long period of time. The law is the foundation, the structure, the capstone, everything. But how you hold to the law is important because that's how you uh, are distinct from the rest of the community. So here's this group, another group of religious leaders outside the religious leaders, if you like, outside the scribes. Uh, this, these are the separated ones. And Herodians are essentially, these are the people who work and live and breathe in the in the government courts, if you like, in the in the government house, <laughs> these are the people who served the king of that particular region, uh, and therefore they come under Caesar. So there's Caesar, and then Herod. I don't really understand the political structure at the time, but I know that. So here's so obviously the the separated ones obey God's law, the oral law, the written law. That's what's important. Herodians, and government law. So two opposing groups of people have come together being sent by another religious group of people because oh we can't really catch Jesus out why don't you guys have a go you come up with a question and see what you come up with so here's a group of people who would believe as Kate said that uh, it's more important to honour God's law but to honour God's law we have to dismiss everything of human law government law we cannot in fact, or we should not be forced, in fact, into uh, honouring the government law. And it comes down to the nature of money in this instance. The Herodians, of course, when they talk about the imperial tax, they're talking about their livelihood. You know, If people don't get paid, if the tax doesn't get paid, these people might not get paid. Now, so what's the issue here? Um, If Jesus does say, yes, you should pay the tax... The Pharisees can stand up and say, see, you're not a man of God. You don't follow God's law like we are taught to and like we teach people to. And if Jesus then stands up and says, no, you shouldn't have to pay the temple, the imperial tax, then Herod's people can say, oh, he's against the government. And he can be, hung, he can be tried and he can be uh, put away or hung, which he was anyway, interestingly. Um Uh, for disobeying and causing an uprising because he's not paying his taxes. So you can see the tension and the challenge that Jesus might be facing here. This is an interesting question, a fascinating question. And I wonder, you know, I don't know anyone that gets really excited about paying taxes. (laughs) It's kind of that thing that we do and we barely know that it happens these days. You know, no one would come to us and say, we shouldn't pay our taxes anymore. Why do we want to pay our taxes? Well, we know, and I don't believe it was any different when Jesus was walking the earth. Taxes help infrastructure. Taxes help um, our nation uh, survive, move. We talk about taxes being important and we want our taxes to work for our our health system, for our education system, for our roads. And we complain because we feel like maybe our taxes aren't working to the best of their ability. We become cynical in our country. I know that I have become cynical cynical at times, thinking of how much our politicians seem to be paid and their salaries seem to increase while some things seem to decrease, particularly around our health and our education and our road systems and that's no slight against those people who work in that area, we just know sometimes and we get frustrated with the stories of infrastructure that's not working well. But we also understand that for these things to perhaps have improvement, that might mean we need our taxes increased. Well, hang on a minute. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. That's a whole other conversation, isn't it? So as soon as we can't have it both ways, can we? And this is the real challenge, I think, for us today as we consider this conversation. And at the end of the day, this isn't just about money, though. This is about heart. This is about identity. This is about the image we bear this is about the one that we follow and how we submit to government authorities and when i say that you can begin to understand how it could have gone 25 different directions in this message but I wanted to highlight, I guess, the money issue because we both, we, we all want this sense of uh, rightness or fairness or even ownership becomes important. You know, I've worked hard for this money. I've worked hard to be able to achieve that. I've worked hard to get that. The government wants their share. The government wants to take some. And this is the, 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 uh, the tension that Jesus was invited to participate in in some ways as well. And he doesn't actually play into it. But before we go there, I just wanted to highlight a couple of texts around government authority, and I think some things worth remembering around this and some encouragement around uh, what this meant for the early church. It's also worth noting, as I thought about this, too, that the early church was at huge risk of being snuffed out um, and to be if they gave any indication that they were speaking against government, their lives were at risk. This is the real challenge. These stories are being written and remembered under the oppressive nature of a Roman government and empire that had no qualms with hanging people to a cross and putting you on a highway as a demonstration of what would be done if people spoke against or mistreated or didn't honour the Roman ways. And this was a tension for the synagogue rules that they were struggling with. How do we survive? They were, remember, they were waiting for the, the new empire, the kingdom of God empire, to come in and overthrow this worldly empire. And Jesus actually says, well, there's another way to live here. There's another way to think about this. So bear with me to the end. Uh, this is not particularly comfortable, but let's see how we go. So uh, Paul writes to the Roman church and he said it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but as a matter of conscience. So here's uh, the leader of the early church, the, the uh, one who plants the early church and says, look, there is risk here. We want to submit to the authorities. Now, if you don't, it might cost you your life this is the challenge so and i guess it's many of the questions that some of us might be asking today when does overreach a government step into what we believe god might be wanting us to do <laughs> Whew, um, that's that's a tough question to ask but paul actually takes it a bit further it's also a matter of conscience so how do we hold those tensions together But then Paul goes on and argues the point around taxes. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants. Now, I imagine for people reading this as part of the Roman Empire, serving in the Roman church, wanting to care for the sick, look after the orphans, look for the uh, care for those who are uh, disabled or the leper community, and they saw these people being rejected by the authorities, God's servants, that might have been a hard word to hear. But Paul says these people are God's servants. We can't always understand or comprehend that. But how do I come to a place in my heart where I honour our government, recognising them and those that God has put in place? They give their, they give their full time to governing Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. Peter writes to the early church that he planted, "'Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, "'for it is God's will that by doing good "'you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people.'" live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, live as God's slaves, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the emperor. Wow, as I read those texts this week, if I could have done anything to avoid having this text on this particular week, I would have done it. I'd rather... I don't know, what would I rather teach you about in Open Scriptures? <laughs> is there a text about going to play golf for the week? <laughs> I would have much rather talk about that. Honour the emperor. I mean, just uh, as I think about the church under persecution, Afghanistan. You know, we haven't mentioned Afghanistan for a few weeks. That That's kind of gone by the news cycle. How do they honour their leadership? How do they honour people who are out to get them like there's no other way to put them how do you honor a government that is out to get you now does this scripture have any less power today than it did under a roman empire i don't think so we can dismiss that to some extent because you know we're pretty comfortable you know if we don't like our government we'll have the opportunity to vote them out Half the governments over the last 10 years have voted themselves out and replaced themselves. I mean, it's a crazy system. We have that freedom. We become cynical. We don't like them. We don't like their policy. In fact, we judge our government because we don't like the leaders, even if we don't know them. Um, But I read this and I think, oh, what does that look like for me to honour our government? Aside from the practical issue of paying taxes, but actually so and this is uh, pay, uh, paying taxes or uh, serving our community and blessing our community being people who uh, represent God in the midst of these tensions of what it looks like to submit to our authorities and our government leaders and uh, you know if we find in this heart at the moment we can take comfort and souls in the fact that here was Churches and Jesus ministering um, in the midst of these tensions as well. What does it look like for me to honor God? What does it look like for me to serve God in the midst of facing difficult government decisions? The question's no less no less relevant today, is it? So, how do we do that? And I think the cue is in how Jesus responds and I I changed the words because I just wanted to um, we wanted to understand when Jesus talked about show me a coin the image of the emperor was printed onto that coin and we don't have that image anymore we have historical figures so that's a bit different for us but that coin indicated that that emperor owned that coin even if it was in your hand he owned that money So that's the whose image is really important here. The word image um, or inscription uh, is really important here. So this is what Jesus and how Jesus responds. Give back to government what belongs to government and to God what is God's. So the question here is then, What bears the image of God in our world? Now, I want to suggest to you today, and I want to remind us, some of you, again, as I said last week, this is the moment where we have to choose what we do and how we respond to Jesus. Because what I actually love about this is that Jesus doesn't directly give a five-step list of what that looks like he leaves this as open as that so here's what I want to here's what I want you to consider today if you've been following Jesus for a long period of time if you've been worshiping Jesus I know you're missing that sense of gathering you've been um, struggling with some of the decisions that are going on some of the government decisions the government mandate at the moment okay so how do we give back to government what is government at this time But even deeper, the the foundational question that you might need to, we need to um, re-explore, re-ignite, I was going to say, (laughs) have place within us again is what does it look like for me to bear the image of God and carry the image of God about my life? As a follower of Jesus, if you've made that confession of faith, we are called by Christ, yeah? We'd all put our hand up and say, yes, all right. Now, go and work work out what that looks like. Is that expressed in love for your neighbour? Is that expressed in love for your enemy? Is that expressed in love for those who don't agree with you or haven't gone the same path as you over this vaccination period? What does it look like for us to express the kingdom of God, the image of God, to bear the image of God and to carry the image of God into this situation today? Because one thing to say, well, I've watched it online, tick, you know, we used to say, oh, come to church, I can tick off my Sunday role, I can tick off my Christian responsibilities. No, 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 no. You're not capturing it enough. This is the question that these leaders are asking. What is your responsibility as someone who claims to come from God? Same question, what is the responsibility that we carry as someone who was called by Christ, made new creations in Christ? Do you want to know what your responsibility is? Bear the image of God. Bear the image of God. Be light and salt. And maybe you're sitting there today and you're going, I am not... I am not the image of God. There is no way I bear the image of God. You don't know anything about my life, Simon. And I want to say to you today that I believe, I have a foundational belief that regardless of where you have been and what you have done, what has happened in your life, God looks at you and he continues to say to you, you bear my image, you are my child. The psalmist writes these words, firstly in uh, Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and who all who live in it. So, I mean, this becomes a response of our world. This re- becomes a response of how we nurture and care for our world and what we own. My question in the midst of all that is, what do we really own? Because the truth could come to it that, The government can come and say, we need your house, compulsory acquisition. Thank you very much. (laughs) That's the truth of what we own. Psalmist again writes in chapter 100, verse 3, know that the Lord is God, it is he who made us and we are his. Psalm 139 says we are made in his image. He knit us together. And so if you're sitting there today, And you're saying, I do not bear the image of God. I want you to clearly hear this. You do bear the image of God and he calls you into a new way of being and a new way of reflecting and serving and living and thinking and speaking and participating in this world as one who carries the image of God. Now, I'm not going to give you a five-step plan because what right do I have to give you a five-step plan when Jesus wasn't willing to do it? There's plenty of other texts. You can go read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You can go read other gospels. Go back and read the Gospel of Mark to see what it looks like to bear the image of God because Jesus says, I and the Father are one and I have come to reveal what it looks like to serve as one who bears the image of the Father. You know, we can, I know, I know that there's an enormous amount of angst in our world at the moment. I get it. I've heard it. I felt it. I am deeply sorry for so many people at the moment who are really struggling through this season. And we can look at this text and, you know, I, I, for me as I read this text from Mark chapter 12, this isn't just about taxes anymore. It still remains a tension about, you know, what does it look like to obey God as well as submit to our authorities? that tension's still there? But I think the invitation that Jesus asks is no less powerful. What does it look like to bear the image of God in this circumstance? What does it look like for you to go into your workplace, into your friendships, and to decide that I will carry the image of God into this space? What is it if you you went away into a quiet space this afternoon, if you went for a walk this afternoon, And if you ask God to reveal to you those places that aren't bearing his image at the moment, or those places that have been damaged or fractured or broken through other people, through circumstances, and say, God, I need your healing to restore that image that you see in me. So I see that in myself. What would that be for you? Or to go in that quiet place, that walk and say, you know, God, where is it that you're asking me to carry your image? into difficult workplaces, into difficult neighbourhoods, into difficult homes, into difficult conversations? How can I be one who bears the image of God in the midst of these difficult situations? Now, some of you are saying, this isn't difficult at all. We can do this. That's, that's fine. Yep, I get that. The question is still true for you. What does it look like to bear the image of God when not everybody's at the same place that you are? We all know and we can all see that this world needs some hope. It needs some clarity. It needs people of peace. It needs people who bring a non-anxious presence. It needs people who can point to a kingdom that goes beyond the rules and regulations and division that's being caused. It needs people who can point to something that is not yet fully revealed except through the heart of the Father who has revealed himself in Jesus. What does it look like to be those kind of people? who bear the image of God. And maybe today there's some things that you've allowed to come into your heart, into your spirit, into your way of life that are not of God. And maybe today is the moment where you say, I can't carry that anymore. It's not bearing the image of God. I invite you to simply go into that quiet space again and confess them, honour them, maybe gather other people and say, these are the things I need to be laying down. These are the things I want you to check up and ask me about in a few weeks' time but even to go into the Father's house, into the Father's space and say, Father, I'm not one with you. What does that look like today? Maybe you've never heard this truth before. Maybe you've never heard that gospel. Maybe this is the first message you've clicked online. You're looking for that hope. You're trying to break out of that division, that sense of tension and that sense of struggle and wrestle and angst. And maybe today is that moment where you just need to breathe and say yes to Jesus. And what does that look like? It's simply coming into that quiet space and saying, I don't fully know what this looks like, but I need to trust in you, Jesus, as the one uh, whose image I bear. I want to know what it looks like to bear your image, to trust in you with my life today. And then trust in God. We can let us know so that we can find people to gather around you and cheer you on and, and uh, mentor and disciple you, help you learn along the way as much as we learn as well. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we want to uh, thank you for who you are. We recognise that there's so much happening in the world at the moment. We recognise in all this that this is not just about flesh and blood, but this is uh, the battle of uh, the spirits and power and principalities of heavenly realms. And so we confess the parts in us, Father, that become angry, that become prideful, and uh, we don't bring that to you. That become people uh, we get anxious we become fearful we become possessive and defensive we thank you that you've already completed the work of forgiveness and we want to step into that as people who long to bear your image make us new creations again father father for those who perhaps are watching this for the first time or the fifth time and just learning what it means father may you speak powerfully and remind them that you love them and that you call them to be those who bear your image above everything else. In this season, and this time, may we discern with grace and with peace and with love and with joy, with kindness, with self-control, with patience, what it is to bear your image so that the world would know of the depth and the wonders of your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, We trust that you've been encouraged. We trust that you've been blessed, as difficult as it might be at the moment. Uh, Please reach out. Let us know. You can contact horsham.org.au. Contact us through our... uh, facebook page or through a phone call still on emails are still available and we can uh, connect people with you that can help guide and encourage and bless you as well Uh, and even as you continue to be a blessing to others go in peace friends